Welcome to the Faith Seeking Freedom Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. Your questions about faith and liberty deserve thoughtful answers, and we're dedicated to giving you solid responses so you can live free and flourish. I know everybody's dying to ask this because we're Christians and we're also libertarians, and this is one of those like personal issues that people want to know about, and that is the issue of recreational or medicinal use of cannabis products. So, how do Christian libertarians view both medical and recreational use of cannabis products? Norman, what do you think? Well, first off, it's a, this is a super important question for libertarianism in general, and it's really a hallmark of libertarian thought from the beginning, regardless of pretty much wherever you start off in libertarian thought. We oppose the drug war. We oppose the dictation of the government as to what you can and cannot put into your body. Whether or not you agree with the use of it as a as a, either on a moral basis or a practical basis at all, whether you think there's benefits or detriments as a result of using it, we just flat out say as libertarians that the government has no right to tell you what you can and can't do with your body like that. Uh, as long as you're acting in a non-aggressive manner, we just say outright that the government nor anyone else can force you, use physical force, to tell you what you can and cannot put into your body. Simple as that. What about if uh, someone lives in a state where it's illegal for now, for recreational use? What, are, what Do we have a recommendation there at all? Well, my personal recommendation would be that you probably shouldn't, <laughs> simply on the basis that like, uh, from a practical standpoint, you're probably better off just you know, abstaining as it is. I will not, Dane, however, if you do have a, a medical need, I would never try and, and dissuade you from trying to find a way to make that work for you better. And I don't know what that would entail, but, um, but you know, I, I'm not going to ask you to just suffer, you know, silently because when there's something that would be available to you, but you know, on, on just a pure recreational basis, I might recommend against it. <laughs> That's yeah. just my personal opinion there. <laughs> well, and you know, to bring up the illegality of it, it's that means it's prohibited in certain states. And you know, we probably should talk about the prohibition effects that it has for it to be illegal, and that the actual problems that it creates in terms of quality, and I mean the the side effects, if you will. Um, well, and, and if, well, I love one phrase that I've heard uh, Lawrence Vance and other people use where, you know, the drug war is the cure is worse than the disease. Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's a whole lot of reasons for that. I mean, one is just the pure anti-liberty notion of it. That's, that's one. And so it, it kind of conditions people into anti-liberty thinking. The second would be that it, it actually is, you know, prohibitive toward practical uses that are known. Uh, and so, for instance, you know, the when cannabis is outlawed, that also just outlaws, for the, all intents and purposes, all sorts of other hemp products. Uh, and this is this has actually been a, you know, a hallmark of American industry in the past, and this is basically non-existent. Uh, and there are reasons for that. We could, that we, I mean, you could run a whole podcast on the history of, of uh, cannabis prohibition and whatnot. On the issue of prohibition, I know it's uh, kind of, interesting for people to say that, well, you know, it's just a natural plant and why would God want us to not use it? And there's there's kind of memes going around saying, you know, this is just natural and God would never, you know, prohibit us from, in terms of like a natural law sort of perspective, God wouldn't want us to, you know, not enjoy the things that are, that are on his good earth. And it's probably not a great argument. One of the reasons for that is the very first prohibition in the scripture is to not eat from a tree. Um, so yeah. I don't think it's very helpful. And I, and I say that a little bit to be kind of funny, yeah, but on the other cheap, hand, but it's, still. but on the other hand, I don't think it's in a, it, it's not a helpful argument to say, well, God wouldn't prohibit marijuana because it's just, it's just a plant. 
there are a lot of reasons to be against prohibition. So let's be clear about that. Yeah, that's uh, true. But, well, and they're also they're poisonous plants too. Well, sure. I mean, poisonous berries. You know, you eat them and you die. Yeah. And <laughs> so, we will talk uh, in a few minutes about in terms of practical considerations that you know marijuana isn't really. It may not be good for you. Yeah. Well, and 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 this actually kind of leads, I guess, uh, to another kind of tertiary point. Um, is it just because there might be immoderate uses of such a substance and even some of these plants that might be poisonous in the concentrations that you find them in nature uh, can be reduced down, can be researched and developed into actual like medicinal drugs or, you know, this is, this is actually how we have modern pharmacopoeia is, is that we, we researched herbs and, and chemicals that come from plants and, and nature in order to make something that's useful and for the human body or for other types of, uh, of practical applications. And prohibitions literally work around this very fundamental thing that we are called to do as humans in, in God's world, which is to have dominion over it and use it. <laughs> and so there are, you know, plenty of interesting uses for like, obviously, uh, even even cocaine in certain dosages is a is a great painkiller. And it's used this way now. But we're not really privy to being able to often use that because of prohibitions. And we're not privy to research that could potentially be going on because of prohibitions. And we're really the poorer for it. And so that's that's really unfortunate. I think the final thing we like Doug said that we probably want to throw out here is that like we're not out here to condemn those people who would choose to use it for a recreational purpose or especially for a medical purpose. But you do need to understand that there are risks involved in doing so. And those may not be worth it. In the same way that, you know, a overuse of alcohol causes drunkenness, moderation is a good thing. And certain concentrations of chemicals do cause harm and they react with certain bodies differently than others. So don't necessarily think that, well, this we're just giving you license to go out and do something. That's not exactly what we mean here. That's really not the point either when it comes down to it. So uh, just be aware that that's a thing <laughs> and, and really use our argumentation as libertarians and as Christians to really argue for the, well, I guess you might say the dominion mandate of the, uh, that God has given us, that there are things that, that we are called to go out and use and we're to, to use properly. Uh, so hopefully, you know, in the future, we'll be able to, you know, elucidate those arguments ever the more in the church. And I think we're beginning to see that actually. And uh, I mean, even what is it? 60 percent of the United States now is pro legalization and it seems like pro complete legalization. So I wouldn't be surprised if in the next five or in most 10 years that we would see, you know, the United States pretty much go complete legalization on, on the topic of cannabis. And really, that's just, you know, we should be leveraging that to go against the entirety of the drug war, because we're not just, you know, uh, against the drug war when it comes to cannabis, but against drug war in total. And we want that to be abolished outright. You know, you mentioned that it's going to be maybe a decade in, in the United States, marijuana, at least medical, if not just complete recreational use of it will be completely legal and maybe even doesn't bear much of the stigma of, of use as it does, although that probably will take you know, a couple of decades to kind of outlive that. But what I find interesting about that observation that sort of we kind of expect this to eventually be normal where it's legal, okay? And I think that is one evidence, and, and this isn't really a point about pot, but it's a point about culture and politics. If we want to change the world, Culture is going to be the way we change it, and the politics will more likely follow. 
We certainly want the government to get out of the way of people being able to affect the culture in a certain way. But even in spite of the drug war, we have people changing their minds. I know people who are hardcore prohibitionists when I was two decades ago, when I was growing up. And they are now realizing that this is probably not a good idea. And so I see evidence of people's hearts changing, and it had nothing to do with, oh, they legalized it? Oh, I guess that's okay then. It's not about that. It's about they see the effects of it, and they change their mind. And sometimes change takes generations. But I don't know. This just seems like an example of one of those uh, politics follows culture. And uh, it's one of those things that we can change the world with ideas first. I agree with that. It's a good point. So our second question is from Philip via our Facebook page. Do you have any tips for someone trying to make the case for peace and the non-aggression principle to neoconservative Christians? I find that they are quite wedded to war and coercion and logical and moral arguments don't seem to really work. Much like logical economic arguments tend to fail with progressives. Amen to that. (laughs) So the core of the question is, do we have any tips for trying to make the case to somebody who's a neoconservative about peace and the non-aggression principle? I'll just start to answer this by saying appeal to their pro-life stance, because very likely if this is something you're running up against, you are dealing with somebody who's staunchly pro-life, or that's what they allege. I would start with that and find ways to appeal to that, because they may not care about quote-unquote peace, but they do care about life, and you can sort of get an inroads to there. What, what do you think about that, Norman? Oh, I think that's true. You can definitely like start talking about, well, so you, you agree that, that babies should not be aborted in the United States, right? You think that's a wrong thing to do. Well, yes, of course, that's a bad thing. So if it is instead a bomb that is being dropped on a brown baby in Afghanistan, that is considered to be acceptable? And oh, Yeah, but no, Norman, they could be terrorists. <laughs> babies in the womb are not terrorists. terrorists. Gee, yeah, and that's, uh, but, but see, I think that's, you know, if they it, at some point they're going to be almost beyond uh, even convincing at that point, and it, and maybe at that point bringing in some of the uh, more I'd almost dare say the prophetic language that even Lawrence Vance likes to use at times in his articles, which really just rain down the good word of <laughs> of judgment on warmongering peoples that might be worthwhile at that point to kind of shock them out of that. My hope would be is that you know that the the people that you're encountering are are at least somewhat susceptible to arguments about life, arguments from the scripture that, you know, would suggest that the, um, that war is a bad thing and the historical precedent against war that Christians have had, despite the, of course, the, the known aberrations of that. There's a variety of ways to do it. And, but I would hope that there are, you know, the, some of the gentler arguments you could make would work in that regard. Another thing to approach this with would be, I'm reading the question here as we're talking, and, you know, make the case for peace, okay? So many conservatives, many neoconservatives, when you say that you're very much in favor of peace, that might inadvertently put you in a box that you do not belong in. It might bestow upon you in their minds beliefs that bear little resemblance to what you actually believe. And in other words, they might think, oh man, this guy's a pacifist. And you may not be a pacifist. You might just be like, hey, I'm for peace. I'm for peace and like avoid all conflict in war and things like that. So don't put yourself in a box and, and be, be attuned to how they might perceive how you're presenting your argument. Because I mean, again, libertarians are, we often, we chuckle at liberals thinking that we're conservatives and conservatives thinking that we're liberals because we make a consistent non-aggression argument and we make a lot of consistent arguments that they just find are on the quote unquote other side of the aisle. 
but we don't actually exist on their other side of the aisle. So be attuned to how you are making your argument. Make sure that they don't assume too much about your position that you don't believe. Well, granted, the left is just as hawkish as the right when it comes right down to it. Yeah. Um, but that reminds me of something else. It's okay like, to bomb other uh, bomb children in other yeah. countries if you're a liberal. Yeah, as, they won't complain about the drone strikes on it. It's populated by, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as long as the school is in a terrorist zone, then, then it's appropriate to bomb. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Or it's a wedding, for that matter. Diss on Obama right there. Yeah, well, another thing that kind of you reminded me of, Doug, right there, was that Sometimes these people are gunning for an idea of security. They think that, well, if we didn't do that there, then they'll be over here. Mm. And if they are open to the possibility of that premise being wrong, then you begin to have another series of arguments you can make, which is, I mean, very simply, and we kind of know this as libertarians, that, that the war on terror, for instance, doesn't make us safe. It's not helping at all. It's empirically yeah, demonstrated. Empirically false. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not just a theory. <laughs> yeah. And, and thus, you know, one could, one could truly make the argument that, look, you know, it's interventionism that breeds terrorism in a way that, that uh, you do not seem to be acknowledging. So using the blowback arguments and whatnot. I mean, it's basically using standard Ron Paulian type uh, mm-hmm. argumentation there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we know from that, that experience back in 08 and, and 12 that, of course, it didn't seem to work back then. But maybe, just maybe, now that we've gone through, what, 12 or 16 years of this at this point, of war, which is unbelievable uh, when you when you kind of reflect upon it that this is the longest lasting war in American history, that maybe this is a bad idea. So yeah. you know you can you can approach it from there as well. I think that might be that that has the potential to be successful. But my hope would be again that if you if you're talking with Christians, you know, appeal to their theology. My goodness, I mean, if these are reasonable Christians at all, then hopefully we can appeal to their theology as much as their that evident reason part as well. Yeah, and then we're going to have to cue the, if you want to deal with the theology part, because they have objections such as, well, Jesus overthrew the money changers, and so Jesus, therefore, was not nonviolent, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to have to go to some of our other episodes, which yeah, um, right. <laughs> we're going to have to talk about that a different time. So, yeah, um, the, that that's, a, that's a very, uh, it's, yeah, I think it does too. We could have an entire discussion on this, an entire episode on this, and that hopefully gets us started in the right direction. Thank you for the question. This podcast was inspired by our popular book, Faith Seeking Freedom, which is available on Kindle, softcover, and audiobook at faithseekingfreedom.com. Want your questions answered on our podcast? Email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so we can reach more Christians with the message of liberty.